Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope you guys are having a good day. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I want to say welcome to drboycetv.com, the home for intelligent black people. Uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, a little story uh, about somebody who I have nicknamed Kentucky Karen. Kentucky Karen is a student at the University of Kentucky who decided to act a complete ass and uh, assault a black woman in a really crazy way. Uh, and uh, I'm going to actually tell you about my experience at the University of Kentucky. In case you don't know, I actually taught at the University of Kentucky. Um, I got uh, I got several degrees from the University of Kentucky. And uh, I actually had an incident just like this when I was at the University of Kentucky. So we're going to talk about racism and uh, what it looks like and uh, the ways that our society kind of perpetuates this nonsense. Uh, so get comfortable, buck up a seat, but we're going to get started on DrBoyceTV.com right now. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn into intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I want to say what's up to everybody. I hope you all are having a great day. It's so good to see you. Uh, today, we uh, have some interesting stuff to talk about. And uh, I'm going to break all that down for you in just one second. Uh, as we begin, if you could do uh, me a quick favor, uh, put your B1s in the chat. Let me know that you're black first. And that we're all being black first. You got to love yourself and love your community. You ain't got to hate nobody, but you got to love yourself. Self-love is critical to be in this space. If you want to come in this space, you got to want to be smarter and you got to want to love yourself. If you agree, put a yes in the chat, put a B1 in the chat. Let me know what city you're from. Also, what's up on Instagram? My Instagram is the real voice Watkins. So feel free to follow me on the gram. Smash that like button, subscribe button, hit the notification bell, because y'all know that when black love hits the building, they always try to shadow ban. So we're going to stop all of that. We're going to nip that in the butt. So uh, what's going on, Jason? Uh, Jason, I see you and Amanda Walls out of Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, let's see. I see Denitra out of Eastern Shore, Maryland, uh, Chicago from Sh for Cheryl, Norma out of Minneapolis, Adonis out of Cleveland. I see Newark, New Jersey, New York, uh, Chicago, D.C., uh, all those other places. Good to see you. I was actually in D.C. this weekend. Tariq Nasheed had a great rally for reparations. Everybody in here that favors reparations for black people, put your hands up. Say yes in the chat if you agree that reparations is worth fighting for. Everybody say yes if you believe that we deserve to be compensated for uh, 400 years of our wealth being stolen, for over 400 years of our people being brutalized, uh, for over 400 years of opportunities being taken away from our ancestors for 400 years or more of our communities being destroyed. Give me a yes if you agree. Put a yes in the chat if you agree that reparations uh, are called for and now is the time for reparations. Uh, reparations has been a, a over 100-year fight for Black people. Uh, Dr. Claude Anderson wrote an entire book called Black Labor, White Wealth that everybody should read that will explain in extreme detail. He makes the case. 
He lays out the case for reparations very clearly uh, so that you must understand that as you talk to people that don't agree, people who don't understand, you can just explain to them, tell them to go to powernomics.com where Dr. Anderson wrote that book, Black Labor, White Wealth. And if you haven't read that book, you have to read it because it will blow your mind because there's a lot of black history that is deliberately hidden from you that you have to make sure that you learn. So with that being said, let's get it cracking. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, There was this incident at the University of Kentucky with this uh, young lady. I'm going to call her Kentucky Karen. Uh, Her name's Sophia something, Sophia Rosen or something like that. But but her nickname is going to be Kentucky Karen uh, because Kentucky Karen uh, it was a 22 is a 22 year old woman who decided to get drunk and just make a complete ass out of herself. Uh, It was really uh, ridiculous and crazy. I watched this video, and so this uh, this this drunk girl comes into the dorm. And she ends up assaulting uh, a black student and and just kind of, you know, you know, drunk people act. This is why I don't drink, y'all. This is why I tell you, I'm not telling you not to drink. I'm just telling you why I don't drink and why I think you got to be careful with alcohol and drugs because it'll make you look real stupid. So she's coming in, you know, she calls her the N word and the B word over and over. You know, and it was it was it was funny if it wasn't sad. Right. It was funny if it wasn't sad because alcohol. You know, my father used to always say my father, you know, he drank and smoked and tried drugs and all that. And that's why I didn't do it, because he warned me against it. I told you all black, black. So too many black families get destroyed over alcohol and drugs. Too many bad things happen with alcohol and drugs. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just asking you, please be thoughtful about these kinds of things, because alcohol, according to a study, was actually labeled the most dangerous drug on on Earth. Did you all know that? Did you all know that? I thought it would be crack or heroin or PCP. No. It was alcohol. The reason alcohol was named as the most dangerous drug in the world is because alcohol causes a lot of people's lives to get ruined. Uh, there are uh, you know, homicides under the influence of alcohol. There's uh, sexual assaults that occur under the influence of alcohol. There are um, all kinds of other horrible things that happen. Uh, families get abandoned. Children get, you know, get 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 left behind. My my sister had a dog. We love we love that little dog. And this damn lady who was a dog sitter who claimed to be an animal lover, which I guess she really was when she wasn't drunk, but she also loved alcohol more than she loved animals. Let me tell you what this lady did. I kid you not. This lady took my sister's dog in in hot ass Arizona, hundred and something degree heat during the day, takes the dog, goes to the bar. This is the true story, y'all. This is just one example. There's a thousand I could tell you. And she goes in the bar and gets so pissy drunk that she forgets that the dog is in the car, literally dying from 110 degree heat. They got 110, 120 degrees inside that car and the dog died. And then because she was so embarrassed and felt so bad, this lady goes and lies to my sister and tells her that the dog ran away. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. The dog ran away. So they had this big search party. I kid you not, this massive search party. My sister, she's heartbroken because she loved this dog. We love this dog. We're like, where's you know the, the puppy? Like, what happened? And and they're searching for this dog. And finally, I kid you not, this shows you that there are some good people in the world. Shout out to all the good people on the planet. Raise your hand if you want to, if you're if you are one, if you're a good person, like give yourself a pet up on the back. I, I like good people. And this guy who was a friend of hers called my sister and said, I'm sorry, I gotta be honest with you. I gotta tell you the truth. I can't, I can't hold this lie in. Uh, she got drunk and your dog died in the car. And I'm just calling you to tell you what really happened. And so this is the one example. Um, and I don't want to make, make bring anybody down or make anybody sad. But this is what I think about when I think about what alcohol just kind of does. You know, it, it can cause you to do things that will ruin your life. Um, I know a guy who just got out of prison after 30 years 
because he went to the club, got drunk, got into a fight, got into some old gangster shit. You know, you 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 stepped on my woman. Yo, bitch, chose me. You know, that old Mac Daddy nonsense that gets black men locked up for 100 years. And he pulls out a strap and just pop, pop, kills the guy. 19 years old. He gets out of prison when he's 50. He's 50 years old when he gets out. Did this when he was 19. So this is my deal. This is where I'm going. Y'all, y'all know me. I'm sorry. I gotta share, I gotta do streams of consciousness. This is Uncle Boyce talking to anybody listening, especially young people. Don't go out getting pissy drunk every weekend just because everybody tells you that that's the way that's what everybody does. Because I'm telling you, you can do something, get caught up in some stuff. Uh, I was I taught at the University of Kentucky, and I promise you, I'm getting back to the Kentucky Karen. But y'all know me; I got to tell you the whole story. I can't just just tell you the 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 the, the footnotes. This is this is this is there's a context here. Um, uh, I was I taught at the University of Kentucky, and uh, then I taught at the Ohio State University. I was on the faculty at Syracuse University. I've also taught in China and Europe and all that. And I can't tell you how many times, and this is mostly only with my American students, to be honest with you, uh, I, where these issues kind of came up. I can't tell you how many times somebody would get raped at a party and everybody was so drunk that nobody really remembers exactly what happened. Seriously. And it's, it's sad as hell. And I just want to warn you, just don't be following the crowd, man. That's it. Period. So Kentucky Karen gets drunk. She comes in. She uh, decides that she's just mad at the black girl for whatever reason. The black girl is sitting desk at a dorm uh, in a dorm called Boyd Hall. And this really struck a chord with me because I used to have that exact same job. I literally worked in that exact same job on that exact same campus in that exact same dorm when I was 19, 20, 21 years old. That was how I made my money. I liked that job because I could study while um, while I was working. I made my you know, I, when I was in school, I had two, three jobs. That was one of them. And uh, and so she she's calling her all these names and, you know, in word this and be that and all that stuff. And, uh, and eventually she gets arrested. Um, I don't know exactly what her charges are going to be. I, I, under, I I'm going I'm under the assumption that she'll probably have a stain on her for the rest of her life. Uh, she starts screaming about how she's rich and privileged and she's even fighting with the police officer and beating up the trying to beat up the cop and you know but but drunk people when drunk people fight most of the time it's like kind of funny. I don't know if you ever fought like a drunk person they're like and you, you look stupid you just do I mean seriously like you know your breath stinks and don't don't know everybody's laughing at you you know but but at the same time this was sad for this student you know the poor black girl sitting there and she's saying they don't pay me enough for this she's trying to control this lady who's calling her all these names and and issuing all this abuse and she's like they do not pay me enough for this and uh, and I, I agree they don't pay her enough you know in fact they need to give her some reparations for all that nonsense they need to hook her up and uh, another little interesting thing the uh, reason why this story got my attention is because uh this same thing also happened to me when i was on that same campus doing that same job in that same dorm Back when I was an undergrad, I kid you not, it was the craziest thing. Uh, so my incident, my N-word incident at the University of Kentucky, which this happens at a lot of campuses, was um, I was uh, also uh, subject to uh, subject to the arrogance that can come with that racist white privilege. You know, this privileged kid, like, like you know, she, he was a rich guy, just like this girl. You know, she talked about how much money she has and, and she gets special treatment. She literally said all these things to the cop because when you get drunk, you just kind of say whatever's on your mind. And um, and it was a rich white boy from uh, Louisiana. And uh, and he had he was on the swim team and he had a bunch of friends that were a bunch of little rich, privileged pricks. 
And uh, and I had my bulletin board. I was what they call the RA, the resident advisor, where I I put some stuff up on the thing, like the rules. You know, I, I think I put heed the words of the brother or something like that from the, the X-Clan song. X-Clan was that was one of those groups that was really popular because they were and they were very pro-black. This is before certain people took over hip hop and decided to use hip hop as a weapon of mass destruction. This is before hip hop was all about, you know, calling black women, you know, disrespecting black women and, and encouraging black people to kill each other. Mm-hmm. By the way, y'all owe us reparations for that, too. Too, by the way, we, we we haven't forgotten that. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, X Clan, I, I put heed the words of the brother, and they and they took out the word brother. They scratched out the word brother, and they put the N word. They put the N word up there. Now, um, on one hand, uh, you know it was shocking. It was like, whoa, what the hell? You know that ain't right. Um, it didn't hurt my feelings, to be honest with you. I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna tell you the truth because I don't care. I, I, your your words don't hurt me. I'm not no. I'm not no pussy cat. Like I'm just. I'm not gonna go in my room and cry. If another man calls me a name, that's just not that's not how I was built. That's not how I was raised. Um, but I but I did get like a get out of jail free card. <laughs> like like I had a big race card. I was able to then play because all the white people around me felt really guilty. They felt really guilty, really bad. So I went to the I, I didn't want that job anyway. I didn't want to live in that dorm. So I went to them and I was like, they called me the N word. It was so bad. It was traumatic and blah, 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 blah. They gave they put me in another dorm. They paid me for the whole semester. I didn't have to do any work. <laughs> I love that part. And my new dorm was totally free. Like they, because they felt so, they, 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 not that they felt guilty, but because they were trying to clean up the mess. They were trying to clean up the mess. And, and this is kind of interesting because this is the deal, right? The reason that campuses like the University of Kentucky keep having to clean up their mess is because they never truly deal with the issue at the root in the first place. You understand? You know, it's like if you have... Um, you know, some sort of true illness in your body that requires surgery and it causes you to bleed and you put a bandaid on it and then you bleed out again. Then you put another bandaid on it. You bleed out again, you put another bandaid on it. Then you start taking aspirin to deal with the pain. You never deal with the core issue. Well, then you're always cleaning up this mess that really requires a deeper level of fundamental uh, surgery. You need a deeper response to your very deep problem. You're dealing with a deep problem in a very shallow, superficial way. So this is the way I would describe the nation's reaction to white supremacy or to racism or whatever you want to call it, is that this these incidents never stop. When I was on the faculty at Syracuse University, every two or three years, there's something that flares up where there's a big racial incident. And I got into a big, um, I got into a few, I got into a few fights at Syracuse because I, I, I'm a fighter. I, I get into situations because, you know, when you're a black man who knows the truth, the world is not really going to really accept you like that. So um, when I was at Syracuse, I remember saying a couple of things. I said, number one, you need to stop encouraging these young people to drink because you're ruining their lives. They're ruining their lives because you're acting like it's normal to go out and get pissy drunk every weekend until the bile is coming out of your stomach. We had a student that wrote a book, a best-selling book called uh, Wasted. And she talked about getting drunk every single Thursday. I mean, they, they really, they probably produce as many alcoholics as they produce college graduates. It was, it was the craziest thing. And, and I, I said, you know, you don't, they don't understand that when you're drinking that much, when you're young, it's ruining your body and you're going to become an old, dusty, nasty ass, rusty ass alcoholic when you're in your thirties and forties. I know guys that started drinking in college who are 50 years old now, who are so pathetic that their children don't respect them. Give me a yes or no if you know at least one black man or one black woman who still, who started, who was getting lit at the parties back when they were in their 20s, 
And now they're in their 30s, 40s, or 50s, and they looking dusty and nasty and stanky and ridiculous and pathetic. And their kids, they, they, they their kids can't depend on them. Their woman can't depend on them. They're making horrible decisions. And, and if you're one of those people, I feel sorry for you. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, but you need to go get some rehab because you, 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 your ass is ridiculous because you're hurting people. You're hurt. You hurt people. Alcohol and drugs. When you do that, you're hurting the people you love, period. So ultimately, I think black people should have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to stuff like that. I'm not judging what people do. I know people I know there are people who drink casually and I'm not judging any of that. But you can't tell me that there's not a lot of nonsense, unnecessary nonsense that occurs because we don't deal with the real issue and we don't do the real healing. And we end up self-medicating and all that. And it ends up, you know, little baby, little little your little seven year old daughter is waiting for you to pick her up from school because she said daddy's coming to pick her up and take her to the amusement park. And your ass is in a bar half drunk. And so she's traumatized for life because you didn't do your damn job. So so ultimately, I, I did speak up on that. And I said, stop encouraging these kids to drink. Encourage them to find some other way to have fun. You can have fun without getting pissy drunk. It's easy to do. Second thing I remember saying to them was I said, you're going to always have, with, when it comes to these white kids and the racial incidents that you have, you have these racial flare-ups, and then you respond like, oh, my God, this is unacceptable. This is so shocking. This is not what we believe in here. This is unacceptable in any circumstances. No, it is acceptable to you because you create the environment under which these young kids end up becoming little Klansmen. They, 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 they're, they're not getting any sort of racial sensitivity training. Your curriculum is biased as fuck. Your faculty has no diversity in it. You have no desire whatsoever to make sure that they understand basic things like black history. And then when you have a black man or black woman that comes along and gives you an element of racial truth, you freak out and you fire that person. So you are the reason that your kids are fucked up. Excuse my French. I, I didn't plan to cuss today, but I'm a cuss. Somebody says stick to economics. Idiot, if you understood economics, you would understand that race and economics are deeply linked. You know, so, so somebody, I got a troll in the chat. I'm going to address the troll. I'm going to give the troll some attention right now. You asking for the smoke. Let me smoke you right quick. If you're black and you don't understand racial history in America, then you will never understand economics. Because race and economics in America are inextricably linked. Go read the books, Poweronomics and Black Labor, White Wealth. If you don't understand why I, as a black man, must address race as a function of economic outcomes, then you don't understand economics in America or anywhere else in the world. You can never understand economics. My PhD is in finance, but I've been a black man my whole entire life. And the, re the reason black wealth is not where it needs to be is because we don't understand how race and wealth are linked. A black person's economic problems are different from a white person's economic problems. So yes, race is very important. I'm not a black man who happens, I'm not a finance professor who happens to be black. I'm a black man who happens to be a finance professor. So blackness must coat everything, single thing that we talk about. Part of the reason that you can't get what you need out of this society is black people. is because you keep forgetting that you're black. You keep thinking that you're white. You keep thinking that you can integrate and get equal treatment to everybody else. You keep going into these institutions. University of Kentucky is one of them where they basically train you in all the ways that you can actually absolutely destroy yourself. And then years later, when things don't work out, you're like, oh, this is so hard. This is so confusing, so sad. Well, that's because you, you weren't taught the right skills in the beginning. You know, so 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 shout out to, you know, the Kyrie Irvings of the world or anybody who's at least trying to find some element of truth that allows them to escape the matrix. The matrix 
will destroy you if you are black in this country and you don't understand what you're absolutely up against. So anyway, I'm going to I'm going to tell you another little thing. But before I do that, um, I want to remind everybody, if you want to learn about the stock market, we're actually doing stock market training class this morning at 11 a.m. So if you'd like to join us, uh, feel free. Uh, just go just go to boyswalkins.com. Just look for my stock market class and you can join us and we'll, we'll talk all about stocks. So we actually do pure finance stuff. Also, the next year, it's all black national convention. A lot of y'all came out to the convention. That's our convention. We pay for it. It's hundreds of you showed up this year. It was awesome. Uh, if you want to get an early bird pass at 50 percent off for this week, you can actually go to allblacknationalconvention.com and get your passes now. If you're on Instagram, you can hit the link in the bio. We're going to be in Atlanta, most likely. The 80%, 90% chance we'll be in Atlanta, unless another city makes us a better offer. But we'll probably be in Atlanta. So if you if you want to go on that on on that amount of information and get your passes in advance and half off, just go to allblacknationalconvention.com. I guarantee you, you're going to love it. All right, so hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Okay, so we're talking about Kentucky Karen. Her name is Sophia Rosen. She attacked this black student. She got drunk, decided to call her the N-word, the B-word, all this other stuff. It's now national news. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's outraged. And I get that. The reaction is somewhat predictable. This is what happens when a racial incident takes place. There's uh, usually this big reaction. Everybody's upset. Everybody's like, oh, my God, Lord Jesus, how did this happen? Uh, this is intolerable. We're not going to allow this. Well, let me tell you why this kind of thing continues to happen and why it's going to going to keep happening afterward. Uh, I'm not letting Kentucky Karen off the hook. You know, she deserves everything she's going to get. She's, it sounds like she needs to be humbled a little bit. Uh, I heard, uh, I read where she was talking about having all this money and getting, you know, special treatment and everything. And, and I, and I've seen that before. If you recall, there was a football player at the Dallas or who plays for the Dallas Cowboys, um, the running back, uh, number 21, I, his name is not in my mind, but you, maybe you can type it in the chat. But anyway, he was at Ohio state. He was a superstar at Ohio state and there was a white girl that he really liked um or they, they actually he used to like and then he dumped the white girl so the white girl wanted to be led into a party he wouldn't let her into the party uh and so she's standing outside banging on the door she's drunk again again becoming a karen and she's banging on the door and she says you know something like i'm a white girl i can accuse you of anything and i can get you arrested because i'm a white girl zeke elliott thank you ezekiel elliott they, I, I i don't know why I could, his name escaped me because i'm a cowboys fan and, and i'm a buckeyes fan so i i should have known this should have just popped out uh maybe it's because he hadn't playing that good lately i don't know but anyway anyway but i love zeke i love you zeke if you're seeing this i love it and his father is one of my facebook friends so much respect to that family uh, um but anyway so 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 the deal is that i remember seeing that well she was aware of her white privilege. She was aware that because she's a white girl, she could go and accuse him of things and, and ruin his whole career. And that's what she did. She accused him of, uh, I, I think she said that he assaulted her or something. There was no proof, no evidence, but the NFL ended up suspending him anyway, just because a white girl said it. This is historically true. This is something that has happened for hundreds of years. Uh, a lot of black people don't know these things. That's why you get black boys to put themselves in, in, in these uh, compromised situations because you never learn your history. And uh, I really think it's important at the very least, when I'm thinking about incidents like this, I think it's important for black people to really be conscious about going out of your way to learn real black history. Now, so, for example, if you're a student at the University of Kentucky, just understand most of what you're going to learn in a public school system is not real black history. Now, sometimes you'll luck out. I actually had a white professor at the University of Kentucky who taught me a little bit of real black history. He was a real cool guy. I don't remember his name. He had a lot of energy. And he told me about little things that I didn't know. Like, for example, did you know that there was a government policy called Project 100,000 during the Vietnam War? During the Vietnam War, they had a problem. 
nobody wanted to go fight in that war because people were coming home with no legs. People were, were coming home in a box. People were going over there getting hooked on drugs. You know, terrible things were happening, right? And, uh, and and the people didn't even support the war. So you didn't even get to come home as a hero. You came home as a villain, right? Because you you put your life on the line for, you know, for this war that they thought was unjust. Long story short, they created Project 100,000 where their goal was to basically manipulate and lie to black people. So they said, okay, we got all these black men who don't have jobs. And, uh, and what we can do is we'll go tell their families that we're going to bring your son in the military. He's going to get all these skills, all this training, and he's going to make you proud. He's going to have a nice uniform on when he comes home and he's going to get, he's going to be prepared to get great jobs and all, and really bring prosperity to the family. And that wasn't their plan, though. Their plan was not to train them to do hardly anything. Their plan was to stick them in infantry so they would be the first to die. Now, how many of y'all knew about Project 100,000? That Project 100,000 was designed deliberately to, 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 to delude black men and to get them into the Vietnam War because a lot of white folks weren't going, didn't want to go as much as they used to or because they didn't trust the government anymore based on, on these wars. And their goal was to send black men out to be the first to die. Did any of y'all know that? Give me a yes or no. How many of you learned this in public school? How many of you were taught any of this? Yes or no? A lot of, a lot, I see a lot of no's, right? So ultimately, these things are important to understand because it helps you understand why black people don't trust the government. You shouldn't. You can't. You can't. How in the hell can you trust the government that will gladly send you off to die? That will gladly inject you with something that might kill you. They've done that before. Right. That has that has profited from your enslavement that has sent more black men to prison than than humanly imaginable. Right. And so so ultimately, this lack of trust is it's natural. That's what that's called common sense. That's called common sense. You don't you don't trust people. They want to hurt you. So so ultimately, it, for black college students, the reason I feel sorry for them in many cases is because, number one, you're going to be saddled with all this student loan debt that you'll never be able to repay. Some of you will. Uh, number two, you're going to be taught a bunch of skills that will never give you the ability to obtain true economic independence because you're only being trained to go work for white people, which is going to put you in, in, in an incredibly vulnerable position. You should be getting trained to start your own businesses and own your own institutions and have your own entities so you can actually have true economic power and, and wealth and prosperity. Number three, you might be severely miseducated. A lot of college campuses are really actually... Um, propaganda and indoctrination factories for specific white supremacist ideologies that it tends to be the white supremacy on the left so what happens is a lot of black college students go off to college and they've been you know trained they've been taught a few things from their parents and grandparents if they're lucky and they get there and they sort of get introduced and indoctrinated into all these democratic party white liberal ideologies that are not always consistent with the black tradition they're just not you know they so then they come home and they're speaking about they're using all these words that they they made up, you know, like, uh, well, that's a uh, that's toxic masculinity. And that's your grandma. You're homophobic. And they're talking shit to their own grandparents like you're better than grandpa. Now, now you you 20, 22 years old. You think you're smarter than your grandfather. Uh, well, that's well, that's that's your your policy, your your statements about immigrants. That's racist, grandpa. You can't say that. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You ever see that? And they literally end up talking down on their own people. Uh, and, and it's all because of this Democratic Republican 
nonsense. It's all because they went to college and somebody certified them with this set of ideas and injected them with these 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 thoughts that that really I'm not saying that they're all wrong. I'm not saying that they're all garbage. But just because a white person gave you a degree, that don't make you smarter than your parents and grandparents who who literally might understand the game in a way that you don't know understand yet. So then you go out into the world with all of this and then you still find yourself getting kicked around, being disrespected, not having any power, not having any wealth and want and confused. Well, you're confused because you kind of got suckered a little bit. You, you thought you were being educated, but you were actually being severely miseducated. So one of the things that I wish black college students would do more of is reach outside of that university for their knowledge. Understand that the real teachers in the black community are people that your big white institution will never hire in 10 million years. I went to speak at um, Cal State Long Beach. And when I was there, they did something amazing. These black students were so conscious and intelligent. They invited me, they invited Louis Farrakhan uh, and Tariq Nasheed and some other people. And I said, this doesn't typically happen, wow. And they had us in there and we were talking about things like poweronomics and, 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 and all these other ideas that, you know, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing and all these things that they'd never learned in college. And and the university got pissed. Like they were like, whoa, wait a minute, Farrakhan's here? Hold up, wait, we can't have that. So they got the black, a lot of the black students who were part of this LGBT alliance to come and protest Farrakhan's speech out on the campus. Now he should have a right to free speech like anybody else. You know, if a gay man can speak, then a straight man should be allowed to speak too. But for some reason they felt the need to come and protest. And the problem I had with that is that White folks are not your friends necessarily. They don't necessarily care about you the way your own people care about you. You know, Farrakhan and his people, they may, you may not agree with them, but they will put their life on the line for you. If it ever came down, I mean, if the shit really hit the fan and all the Karens and all the all the Daves and, and the Beckys and all them just, just decide to declare, to declare war on your black ass, it will be the nation of Islam that will be the first ones to stand up and defend you. So you're telling me that you're going to disavow the people that love you in exchange for the people who are barely willing to accept you. And, and so this circles back to this incident at the University of Kentucky campus. Um, I went to this school, you know, and I remember feeling so lost and out of place and disrespected. And I felt like I was always fighting against something. I was always in a place where I was surrounded by, by people who didn't look like me. And I was, and I would come in and I would talk about race and racism. I used to write these articles in the campus paper and everybody would read these articles because the white students were furious. I was getting death threats every week and everything else. And the black students were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, we, we love what you're saying. They, they wouldn't say it publicly. The fact, especially the ones who were actually employed by the university, they would kind of do that slow book dance whisper like like we we likes what you're saying i just can't say it out loud you know and i'm like you know it's okay for you to be black out loud like you, you don't have to be embarrassed to be black and uh and, and so it was an interesting time and let me tell you about what happened this was my another incident that occurred on that very same campus where this uh white student attacked this this black woman um you know at, at university of kentucky and uh, it was 96, so it's a long time ago. So if you're young, it probably seems like ancient history to you, but it's, it's really not that long ago in my head. There was a black student named Tanya. I think her name was Tanya Clay, but I don't think her last name was Clay. It might have been something else. So Tanya uh, was one of the few people. Every weekend, I, every week I would get these letters written to me um, on the um, uh, campus paper 
where most of them were nasty letters, right? I just expected that 90% of the letters were, you know, we hate you and you're racist and blah, 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 blah. And I wasn't racist. I was a mathematician. I just logically explained why you were full of shit and it made people mad. That's what happens when you outsmart people, they get pissed because uh, they can't outsmart you back. So um, I, 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 most of my letters would be negative, but there was one black woman who wrote a letter and it got published. And she said, you know, you really need to listen to what this guy is saying because you don't know what it's like to be a black student on this campus. And so this lady, her name was Tanya, uh, wrote this letter. And so one day Tanya was walking to class. She was walking to um, class in the psychology building. I forgot what it was called. And two white guys followed her to class. And when she tried to walk in the door, they pinned her against the door and pulled out a knife and put the knife to her throat. And they said, if you don't like your life on this campus, we can end it for you. And so it's so of course, you know, she's mortified. She's just, I mean, scared to death, et cetera. Right. So she runs to the campus administration. She runs to the central office and uh, she tells them, you know, this, this guy came and he, he pulled a knife out to my throat and I, you know, and, it's, and she was scared and you know what they said? Well, here's the problem. Here's the thing. She, she, she didn't understand the politics at during that week, the university of Kentucky basketball team was in the final four. And every year, if you know anything about Kentucky basketball, they have the best basketball players on earth. And they were in the final four that week and they were going to be on the national scene. Right. So they didn't want bad publicity. They didn't want to be seen. They didn't want to be recognized for a racial incident during their biggest week of the year. You know, because they, they, they've sort of hidden that that nasty racial history of that campus. They kind of try to shove it under the rug. It has a horrible racial history. It's absolutely terrible. And uh, and so what they told her was they said, they said, well, you know, if you could keep this to you got, you know, we'd like for you to keep this to yourself because we don't want these people to be proud of what they did or anything like that. Well, being the smart black woman that Tanya was, she instantly went to the um, black student union where we were all kicking it and hanging out. And she told all of us what happened. So we instantly like went into action. There was a guy named Chester Grundy who uh, led us. Uh, it helped us uh, know what kind of protest to do. So we did a silent protest on the campus and it was really, really big. It became like the big conversation topic. It was covered in national media. And uh, and I remember Chester saying, he, he said, I haven't seen this much activity since the 1960s. And um, and the, now the girl was so traumatized that she ended up actually going back to Ohio. She actually dropped out of school because it was so just terrifying what happened to her. And I remember us going back and forth with the administration. And I remember going back and forth with the president. People thought I was the leader of the whole movement, but I wasn't really the leader. I just had the most visibility because I wrote in the campus paper and everybody knew who I was. So so I would write, you know, write these articles. And the the, the, the president's name was like Charles Wellington III. And I would jokingly call him Chuck. And I'd be like, hey, Chuck, why aren't you listening to the black students, Chuck? Why aren't you responding to the black people, Chuck? So Chuck invited me into his office for a meeting. And I sat there with him and I sat there and listened to this older white guy um, explain to me exactly what they do with black people in general whenever we demand change. He was basically asking me to be patient. You know, he's like, well, you know, we're working on this. We're doing that. Just be patient. Just be patient. Just be patient. And I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm sitting there smiling like. Like, you know, kind of like, well, fuck you, uh, because we've been patient for hundreds of years. We've been waiting for a long time and, and y'all ain't done shit. Like, y'all just keep telling us to be patient. But really, I know, again, I wasn't stupid. I was I was actually teaching mathematics so I can calculate. I, I know I know what two plus two looks like. And I said, 
you know, it's. I think that you're probably just waiting for me to graduate. That's probably what it is. You're waiting for me to graduate so that you can go back to the same nonsense that you were doing before I got here. And so here's the deal. Here's what happened. This is why this is important. I want to share the story because it applies to campuses and institutions all across this country. So what happened was eventually we came to an agreement about things like diversity. And we came to an agreement on things like how many black faculty they might hire and 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 funding for black programs and all that and and the, the reality was that all these goals on diversity they never met those goals uh they didn't come anywhere near the numbers that we talked about and so 30 years later 30 years later think about this this happened to me not 30 years it's maybe more like 26 years 30 almost 30 years later 26 years later you have the same incidents happening in 2022 that you had in 1996, ain't a damn thing changed. Nothing has changed. And, and, and nothing has changed because you never have really seriously taken seriously the depth of work necessary to do real racial healing in this society. You haven't done it. I think they have a whole medical center named after a guy named Happy Chandler who literally would go into board meetings. This is an old rich white man who would go into board meetings and use the N-word in the board meetings. Like He'd be like, these, these N-words, they ain't coming to my school. And I don't want these. This guy was a, I mean, straight up Hitler level racist. And you named a damn building medical center after him. This is the real deal. This is what you're looking at in America, right? So, you know, what are the solutions? Well, I mean, you know, I think the first solution is, as Black people, you need to understand what you're dealing with. See, the institutions have gotten really, really good at covering their racism. They've gotten really good at giving wordplay to diversity, to telling you that they're that they're committed to diversity when really there's no work required. Uh, political parties have gotten very good as serving you a big old delicious bowl of symbolism instead of giving you the substance that you actually need. They, that's what they do. And then the second thing you got to do is you got to learn how to get out. I mean, get the fuck out. That means stop leaning on institutions that hate you. Stop leaning on, stop letting people pay your bills who don't have your best interest at heart. Stop going into this society fully committed to economic servitude. That will only cause you stress, pain, and absolute horror. If you love your children, and Dr. Claude Anderson says, a shout out to Dr. Claude, the author of Powernomics. I always give his website because everybody should read his books, powernomics.com. He said, if you love your children, you will never send your kids across town to go beg for a job from somebody who hates their guts. So black ownership, black wealth, black control, black power, black economic strength is an absolute mandate for the 21st century. This is this is any means necessary. No excuses. We must do this no matter what. We don't hate nobody. I don't got time to hate white folks. I don't got time to hate Jewish people. I ain't got time to hate nobody. But I got to love myself. If you love yourself, you will be prepared for the battle that is in front of you. The reason you lose the battle is because you don't even know that you're in the middle of a war. You are in a war of propaganda. You are in a, a war of economics. You are in a, a war for your culture. If you don't believe that you are in some kind of a war, look at the way they are string lynching Kyrie Irving right now. They are stringing him up like Kunta Kente in Roots. 
That this is the, I mean, it's absolutely humiliating what Kyrie's going through, but those who understand the war completely get it. Those who don't understand the war are sitting back shocked and appalled, like, oh my goodness, how could they do this? I, I, this doesn't make any sense. Wait, I'm not, this is not adding up. This is a, of course it don't add up because you're using the wrong damn measuring sticks. You think that everybody is your friend. You think integration was a success. You think that they love you. They don't nobody love you. You got to love yourself. So let me conclude. Before I do that, if everybody could take a moment, if you could hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Um, also, my website is boycewalkins.com. And so uh, if you'd like to join us for stock market class, uh, I believe learning the stock market is one of the most important things you can do when it comes to wealth. If you want to know my background, my doctorate is in finance. That is when I was at University of Kentucky, I was studying mathematics, and then I went on to get my PhD in finance, and that's when I taught at Syracuse University. So that's my background, in case you don't know. And so I teach uh, uh, stock market on Tuesdays, uh, and also on Wednesdays, we study Powernomics. The Powernomics training is completely free. And then on Thursdays, we do stock options. So we have a stock options event on Thursday. All that information is on voicewalkins.com. So feel free to go there. Thumbs up button, uh, subscribe button, hit the notification bell too. That's really important. So you'll be notified when we go live because I, you know, sometimes if you get, if you talk about race a little bit too much, the, the channels will shadow ban and all that. But if you hit the notification bell, I believe that'll make a difference. All right. So, so the, the last point I'll make when it comes to this whole incident with Kentucky Karen, uh, her name's Sophia Rose or something like that. And, uh, and there are people that are going to um, do their analysis on it and say, oh my gosh, this is appalling. You know, this is wrong. And I, and I do agree. I mean, nothing, there was nothing appropriate about what this uh, young lady did. Um, but then when you get to be my, at my stage in life, you know, I'm, 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 I'm older than her. Uh, I could be her dad. And, uh, and, and I look at it, not just so much as what she did was appalling, but I look at the source. Um, I don't look at the apple. I, I also look at the tree. And when I see a young white kid do something so ridiculous, so embarrassing, uh, so um, crazy uh, in terms of race, I'm always thinking, well, who taught you? You know, who raised you? I'm, I look after I finish looking at you crazy. I'm going to look at your mama and your daddy. And then I'm going to look at the institution that is teaching you. So my question would be, I, 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 in fact, it's not even a question, it's a comment. If I were, I bet you that if I were to go back and look at Kentucky Karen's track record, that's her nickname, Kentucky Karen. Um, if I were to look at her track record and look at the classes she's taken, uh, look at the things that she has learned since she arrived at that campus, I bet you I won't find hardly any training on black history. She, and if it is, it's very rudimentary. It's probably, you know, there's Martin Luther King and Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass and Barack Obama, and that's it, right? I, I would love to see white people, if, they, if, if, you, if you really care about this kind of thing, um, I think that if they learned a little bit more about what black people have gone through, they would at the very least understand why we're so pissed off. Uh, intelligent black people are angry. Why? Well, because they have learned the truth. And the interesting thing about many institutions, University of Kentucky included, is they work very hard to hide that truth from you. So what I would argue is that a young person who wants the truth needs to understand that you got to jump outside the system to go get the truth. You got to go read books like Black Labor, White Wealth. You have to go read books like Powernomics. You have to go read uh, some 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 books by some of the other great black historians so that you can learn what really happened in this country and what's really owed to you. So um, that that's my two cents. Um, uh, that's all I got to say. I don't have anything else to say about that. 
And uh, also, uh, as, a, as a real quick shout out, uh, we do Dr. Boy shout outs on the channel for black owned businesses. And the company I want to shout out today is breatheclean.com. I'm gonna put the URL on the screen and uh, I'm gonna read something real quick. Uh, breatheclean.com is a company that, um, what do they what do they do? It's a black owned business by uh, Dr. Alonzo Hines. And it looks like he says, it's, he says the first wealth that makes all the others possible is health. We, we must keep a level health of health wealth. The, the Volera Air and Surface Pro helps achieve this by using the power of nature to scrub the air and surfaces of viruses, mold, fungi, and allergens. We should breathe better, breathe clean. So there we go, breatheclean.com. Thanks for your support for this podcast. And uh, also, if you'd like to get a Dr. Boy shout out, just go to drboysfinance.com and uh, I can shout out your black owned business. There's a small fee attached. That's how we, we raise money for the channel. Uh, and uh, that way we don't have to go to big corporations and all that because I don't want anybody telling us what to say. So if you have a black owned business and you'd like to get some promo on this platform, you can go to drboysfinance.com. So I'm out of here, guys. Uh, thumbs up button, thumbs up, subscribe, notification bell, all that stuff. I will see you soon. And those of you that are coming to stock market class, I will see you in a, a few minutes. So have a good day, everybody. Love you. Talk to you soon. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who got to delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn into intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Here we are.